0: I was hired, you know, with very little experience, but they gave me a good position and the project managers around me, which were called Ford planners at the time, the two that were working in our division left to go, you know, they, everyone was jumping ship at this time to make more money. And so my boss at the time said, well, Athena, you don't have a ton of experience, but do you think you can handle these two projects on your own? (laughs) And I had no idea what I was doing. Really, But I knew I had resources that I can ask questions like my civil engineer who I left was still my civil engineer, actually, who is working for me now. And I said, yep, I can do it. And I figured it out.
1: Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence.
2: Welcome to the show. Thank you for listening and feel free to share this one with your buddies that are trying to get into real estate. We've got a real estate show today. We've got Athena Mirage on the show. She is director of development for Mirage Investment Group, big real estate. We're going to talk design, development. She manages half a billion dollars at a time. She does it all while excelling as a mom, a wife, and an athlete. We're going to talk about balance and achieving at work impacting at work impacting your family and checking out nature at the same time she's going to talk about how she found and how she brings her passion to work she took her art passion and brought it into big real estate and we're going to dig into what really is big real estate and what jobs fit the different people in the world welcome to the show and welcome to the edge of excellence Well, Athena Mirage, a busy working mother in Southern California and sometimes other places, thank you so much for making some time today to talk to us. And as you know, right before this interview, I was talking to somebody about your career. So it's nice to get it straight from the source. Thank you for making time for the Edge of Excellence today. Thank you for having me. Well, I have been excited about this for a while. We've had Some things pop up, so we've delayed this recording due to many of the things that pop up in life, but your career is the one I need most. Athena has been through real estate from the people side. So there's the math and analyst side, and then there's the people side, and you've been through acquisitions agent, you've been through project manager, all the way up to director of development. So we're going to get into Athena's path through her career. We're going to talk about how Athena um, found her career, the type of people in her side of the real estate business versus people on the other side of the real estate business, and try to shine some light on what is big real estate. But before we do, we got to ask Athena the question we always ask every guest. Athena, what is your definition of excellence?
0: I believe uh, the definition of excellence is doing what you love, and it doesn't feel like a job making friends along the way that you will consider friends for the rest of your life and knowing that you made a difference in the world in a positive way with kindness
2: for the listener that doesn't know you as well as I know you. um, I've got a painting in my son's room that (laughs) Athena painted as a wedding gift to the people that came to the wedding. Um, There's paintings all over Athena's house. She's an artist. Athena's working on major projects, 100 million dollar, 200 million dollar real estate projects and helping in the development and the design as well as helping decide which projects do you put money into and how much money? what will the market bear? So there's a, this is an interesting interesting interview for me today because there's people listening and they've got this creative side to them and they don't know how to put it to work and you put it to work, designing buildings, which is maybe something people haven't thought about before. Before you got into real estate, you went to high school in Lancaster and you have a little bit of a different educational path than some of the people you work with. You you kind of gutted it out. So what was life like in high school? Um, you went to junior college before you did uh, the evening classes at UCLA to finish your Finish your degree. What was life like in high school? What were you doing? Were you trying to get ahead? Were you just gritting it out? Did you have these goals, or what was happening?
0: Well, the interesting thing is I moved out of the house pretty young. My junior year of high school, things kind of crumbled internally with my family. And there was really no uh, like safety net. <laughs> so I had to grow up pretty fast in comparison to my my friends and The people I was going to school with. My senior of high school, I was working full time, just trying to graduate. Luckily, I was pretty smart, and you know, know, school school came easy to me. I always got good grades and didn't have any problems doing tests. And I also was really focused on my art. I would say my senior of high school artwork was kind of my safe place. The art classroom, I'd stay after hours and. I had a great uh, educator and also I consider her a mentor to this day who made sure I was doing all right. But I managed to graduate high school with a 4.0 GPA and I knew what it's like to pay bills very early on. And I said, okay, I got to I got to do good right now because there's really no other option. So actually, right out of high school, I just enrolled in the junior college and I would work pretty much every day, all day and go to school at night. Even during junior college, I had a pretty full schedule. I was also on a snowboard team, which was kind of my outlet to be in nature, which I think is super important to have a good balance in life. Getting outside and the sunshine, no matter what the weather is like, I think can is a good reset button that most people don't know is right there outside of their door. That was high school.
2: Okay, so we got we got to pause there for a second because you hit a bunch of things. So there's a lot of people that have, you know, tons of support and a great family structure and community structure. And it's easy for them to find mentors. You didn't have that. And there was this person in your art world. And if you're listening right now and maybe you don't have the great family life, where is the person that you can reach out to? How did you find this mentor that wasn't related to you? That was a teacher, and you got to tell us her name or his name.
0: Her name is Chris Holiday.
2: Shout out to Chris Holiday. How <laughs> did you find Chris Holiday? And how did you know to accept the mentorship and the love Chris Holiday was giving you? Because someone's listening right now and they need this and they need to know how to let this person into their life.
0: Yeah, I think she saw that I was starving to create that that's all I wanted to do was paint and draw and, and have a place to do that that was safe. And she provided that. And I think, you know, she didn't have children of her own, but she treated all of her students like they were her own. And she she got down to their level and would talk to them like they were adults, which I think is important. Young people, they want to be understood. They don't want to feel like you're they're beneath anybody. They want to be treated as equals too.
2: And so she saw your passion which has become a big part of your profession which we're going to get into later, taking a desire to draw and 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 be creative and applying it to a profession that's, you know, people don't know how to do that. You did that with designing of buildings and development of buildings. She saw your passion. Um she was communicating with you like an adult. You knew this person was you know, a person that had your back and then she kind of steered you, um, towards where you're having a rough time and she's acting as kind of that mentor in that area, or was she a sounding board or how did you use her? um, Uh, honestly,
0: and I think that this can apply for everyone is she gave me a job. She gave me some purpose and kept me busy, which is important too. Right. (laughs) Keeping busy is a positive thing, actually. And she gave me a little sense of community in the art class that I didn't have outside of school because, you know, that that was um, I was working.
2: Okay, and you were open to it. Then you also mentioned an outlet. You and I have the same outlet nature. Um, You and I are really, really good on the snow. You with the board, which is totally lame. Me with the two skis, which is much (laughs) more challenging and better for you. Um and i I mention that to people every once in a while that I have to go mountain biking, and coincidentally i'm using my right arm i've got a broken scapula and a broken rib from mountain biking two days ago. I put my arm away um i but I have to, and I notice I'm a different person if i don't and you know someone's listening right now and they're not making time for working out or they're not even coming up with thirty minutes a day to go for a walk um What does the nature do to you? And how do you manage that in your super busy schedule? You're flying to different states all the time. You're visiting buildings all over the Western United States. You've got children that you were homeschooling and now you just put into school. That's a lot of stuff to manage. And you take time for yourself to go get into nature. How how is it a priority? How do you get it done? And why do you get it done?
0: It's a priority because I feel that the better you feel physically and getting that fresh air and also tapping into that kind of primal instinct to to move and sweat and feel your heartbeat and know you're capable of doing all these things because you were born to do these things, I think improves your work life and improves your ability to learn, to connect with other people. And also just, you know, the fact that you can get outside and especially here in Southern California, have most every day uh, at your disposal. I think what it is, is is getting really good at time management. And, and just like with business, you know, yeah, we've talked about I'm not a math person. I've never been, but I've, I've hired people who are super, super good at it. And it's kind of the same where if you need help, just to allow yourself to have an hour outside, you hire a person to help you in whatever way you can. Or you have like a sister or, you know, a grandma, somebody who will give you an hour, uh, even a couple hours a week to spend on your own to go get outside and and uh, get your sweat on, I like to say. <laughs> I think that that those resources, like if you don't have them, you, you can make them and then you can work harder. You can make more money and then be able to afford to kind of balance your life out.
2: Yeah. So if you're, if you're living this life of kind of grinding it out right now, you're young, um, maybe you did you weren't born with a silver spoon in your mouth. Maybe you had some issues when you were young, some real stressful issues and you're going the junior college route and you're working all the time sleep is number 1 and then some sort of outlet is important for your if you don't take care of yourself you can't take care of your job if you don't take care of yourself you can't take care of your family so i wanted to take that pause real quick cuz we're we're getting to this crazy high pressure high stakes world of real estate that you live in and if you don't have this outlet if you don't take this break if you don't have this balance you know it becomes a physical issue for people that are your coworkers so you figured this out early you had this you had this mentor that showed you that art was a way out for you you figured out the exercise thing but the whole time you're grinding it out working hard you had to have a job which some people don't have to have a job and you chose as your first job to work in real estate as a project coordinator in a civil engineering firm how did you pick that was it luck was it now,
0: it? So a friend's mom, so let's, let's hit rewind for a second. My dad, he is, uh, he was always in construction and in order to spend time with my dad, it meant getting up at three o'clock in the morning, driving to a job site with him and spending the day at the job site. You know, he'd give me a handful of framer nails and a, and a framing hammer and a two by four and say, here's your job for the day. And he'd have me hammer nails into a, a piece of wood as like playtime, um, so I grew up spending a lot of time on job sites and looking at old blueprints with my dad that were actually like paper blueprints that smelled like ammonia, and they they don't even make those anymore. But I think that just learning what it took to build something was was a good cornerstone for my I don't know for my sense of place in the development and construction world. I didn't like the job site that much because it was full of kind of, you know, foul mouthed men that were <laughs> all beating at each other and uh, lunch trucks with, you know, crazy, greasy tacos coming from them. But um, what I liked about it was just seeing something come to life. And that's where the creative side starts working. So what happened was a friend's mom said, Athena, hey, you need a job. And I said, yes, I do. Well, we're hiring. We need a receptionist. I work at a civil engineering company. And I said, okay,
2: whatever that is.
0: (laughs) And I had no idea. I really didn't know. But I started working there and this was in 2003. And uh, it was funny because the, the geotechnical engineer would have me type all of his soils reports he would hand me pages of handwritten uh, reports that I had to type. And uh, I ended up reading the reports as I was typing them. And there's my 101 in geotechnical and soils engineering right there. And I thought it was super fascinating. And then I started asking questions like, how do you get that data? And they're, you know, microwaving cans of dirt in the back room to see how expansive it is and i just it was like hands-on education right there and it really just took asking questions
2: yeah i mean it's a story of keeping your eyes open and asking questions and you're probably about to get to this but they hire you as the receptionist you're typing up these reports asking these questions and they quickly changed your job to project coordinator. So they found out that you've been working on these construction sites. You know a little bit about it. They can tell, and this is important if you're listening, you're interested and interesting. You're not asking dumb questions. You're asking important questions. And they give you this totally different job project coordinator for the civil engineering firm.
0: Yes, I started taking drives with the head project coordinator to the sanitation district in Whittier. and Dropping off plans over at the city office and getting to know the planners over the counter. It was a super low-level position to start, but I liked being out in my car. I liked meeting people. Um, I liked seeing you know what was actually on the plans that I was submitting. And after uh, just about two years of being there, I asked the principal engineer if he would help pay for my continuation in school.
1: And, did and that I work? said, I,
0: I said I'm really good at this. I I know I can do more, and I'm interested in learning. And he talked to the other principal engineer, and they declined my request. And what's interesting about that story is I I got a job offer, and I didn't want to leave the civil engineering company because I I felt like they took really good care of care of me. But I got a job offer to work for a home building company, and I took it. And when I told them that I needed to, you know, try to do better and learn more, and this was the only way I was going to get to do it, you know, they were happy for me, but then they had some regrets that they didn't help me go to school.
2: And did the next company, which I believe is Frontier Homes, did they help you go to school?
0: No, but I made enough money working there that I could pay for it myself.
2: Okay, so and that's what I did. And people want to know how, you know how do you get into these different industries? And we've done a hundred of these episodes, and there's oftentimes this strange entrance, but your eyes are open. So, are you, if you're listening right now, are you looking around for mentors? Are you looking around for opportunities? You're asking for help. You had the guts to say, hey, will you pay for my college? If you're listening right now, are you asking for, for help? But the real story is you got on the rocket ship in the wrong seat, you just got on, you got a job. Sure. I know a little bit about construction. I guess that's the same as engineering. <laughs> I'll be a receptionist. And you did well. And so you were moved to the right seat by somebody else. They moved you to the project coordinator. Didn't work out so well for whatever the reason you moved to frontier homes as now a planning specialist, which is that lower than a project coordinator. Yes.
0: Uh. Well, no, it's about the same.
1: Okay. So but a lateral move. Was-
0: Yeah. So this is, you know, we're talking 2004 now. And this was just people were camping in front of new housing developments to try to buy a house at this time. Because, you know, they this is the whole uh, real estate boom, the biggest bubble. (laughs) And uh, I was hired, you know, with very little experience. But They gave me a good position and the project managers around me, which were called Ford planners at the time, the two that were working in our division left to go, you know, they, everyone was jumping ship at this time to make more money. And so my boss at the time said, well, Athena, you don't have a ton of experience, but do you think you could handle these two projects on your own? (laughs) And I had no idea what I was doing really but i knew i had resources that i can ask questions like my civil engineer who i left was still my civil engineer actually who is working for me now and i said yep i can do it and i figured it out
2: and i guess that's you keep your eyes open you ask for help you have the the uh, experience of getting help when you ask for help you take some chances and just try things out and that really is is what's happening here you're just trying something out but you know that you can get some help and what is your new title then that they promote you to from uh, for planning specialist to what? Forward planner. Forward planner. And I'm getting these titles down for later because people don't know them. <laughs> and so now you're working at Frontier Home as a forward planner. And then you move over to Beezer in land development again as a project manager. So you were project manager and then you were planning specialist and you were forward planner. Now you're back to um, project manager again. Bigger yeah, company. I was, uh...
0: Yeah. So this was a big change because I went from a private company to a big fortune five public company. And the main reason for that move was I wanted to get out of the Antelope Valley. I was done with it. I never really liked it. And this was my opportunity to get out of Lancaster. And I, I took the job at Beezer because they were in the Santa Clarita Valley in Valencia.
1: Oh, that's and not so a that big was, move.
0: It's not a big move, but it was out of Lancaster. So um, the one thing I learned, though, it was good to get that experience working for Beezer. I only stayed there for six months because I started to see the writing on the wall. You know, this is 2005 now. And I see the writing on the wall that things are changing. The housing starts are changing.
2: Your eyes are still open. You're still looking around for opportunities and people. But now your eyes are open and you're seeing a change in the market. And, and and you're processing and you're asking questions. All these things that got you to where you were at this point are helping you get to the next step, but keep going.
0: Yes, and what happened there was a few of my projects abutted some raw land and I needed to get like a cost sharing agreement for a, a perimeter wall. And there was a, a real estate investment company that just owned all the land around this one particular project. And I found myself driving to Century City to go talk to them about obtaining easements and, and working out these cost-sharing agreements. And it was, the group was called Royal Investors Group. And basically, they they saw that I was controlling a lot of the bigger projects in Palmdale and Lancaster, and they had the majority of their investments there in Lancaster and Palmdale. And they said, we really need someone like you to work for us. And... <laughs> I said, OK, they made me an offer that I could not refuse. And then I was out of Valencia and
2: in West Hollywood. You're getting closer to Laguna. It's, a, it's <laughs> a little little baby steps, but you ended up in Laguna Beach and and Wyoming to the greatest places ever.
1: Are you enjoying the show this far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of the show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right. For simply being awesome and tuning in, to get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com/podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com/podcast. Now, back to the show.
2: So, you're doing a good job, you're keeping your eyes open. You're asking for help. You're asking. You're, you're interested and interesting and people keep giving you other opportunities. They know that you're a hard worker. Maybe some of the gritted out in high school helped. And, you know, we know some kids that haven't had to grit it out in high school. I sometimes think that maybe that will hurt them. So if, if uh, you're listening to Auntie Athena right now, uh, consider getting some jobs while you're in college, because if you don't and you don't have that grit, Hurt you later. So you've got this strong work ethic. People see it, and now you've moved into Century City, not quite Laguna Beach yet. And you work in this in this new job at Royal Investors Group for eight years through the financial crisis. And are you doing project management
1: through that? Yeah. Whole time? So
0: things. The first few years, I was I was doing land entitlements, which you know we were we were developing the land to a certain point, and then we were selling the land as either, you know, a paper lot, which is disentitled with the zoning and everything that you need to build. And, you know, we would sell them to the bigger companies like Lennar and Beezer, D.R. Horton, Richmond American, and at the time, John Lang, which does not exist anymore. Some of the companies that we sold a lot of land to does not, they don't, they don't exist anymore. So it, it was moving really fast. We were doing a lot of dispositions, a lot of entitlement work. I was working directly with the home building companies on the disposition. So I was assembling all of their due diligence materials and kind of uh, introducing them to the projects, taking them out to the site, assisting with all of the purchase and sale agreements, all the transactions. And I just happened to work with a person named Oris Dolnyuk, who is a great Ukrainian friend of mine. And he went to USD. And he gave me <laughs> but Orest uh, he kind of taught me all about something called CEQA, which is the California Quality Environmental Act. And you know, he he spent the time, like I would ask questions because we were doing all of these EIRs and MNDs and these things that you need to develop the land. And there was my education in, you know, environmental policy.
2: And, and so, he suggested and so, you, so, you, so you kind of became a specialist in this and added to your repertoire of skills?
0: Yeah, he suggested that I start looking at UCLA Extension. And um, he would always forward seminars to me and, you know, all of these certif- certification cl- courses to me because he knew I really wanted to learn more and i would spend a lot of nights when i was working full time in class and going to seminars on the weekends and doing whatever i could to learn more one thing my my grandfather passed away in december but one one thing that he taught me and it stuck with me was education is right there for you if you want it and it doesn't have to come in you know The form of a classroom, always it can come from other people. It can be as easy as opening a book and reading it. And he is so true. Like you, you can you have access to education if you just open your open up to it and spend the time on it.
1: When
2: you were in your 20s, you're eight to 10 years into working after your AA You've got this coworker who's actually a mentor and a coworker because you're good at identifying mentors. You're carrying this information from your grandfather. You're good at identifying ways to educate, but you decide you want to get more formal education while you're working. And why did you need to finish the four year degree? Was it because people expected it or was it because you needed some, some textual knowledge for your job? What was it about?
0: Well, the interesting thing is I didn't finish the four-year degree because I felt like what I had learned in all of the classes that I had taken and what I was learning hands-on was more than sufficient. And, you know, quite frankly, I didn't have the time Necessary. or the cash or the cash or, right, or the cash. So, and, so and, and keep in mind, like, you know, 2007 hits, my pay gets cut in half overnight and I have to change where I live. I have to change my car. I have to cut all my finances in half. And, um, that was, that was really good to learn. I think a lot of people now that are are entering the real estate world haven't experienced a great financial crisis like what happened in 2008. Um, I saw all of my friends lose their jobs. I saw them move to other countries. It was a, a huge rock to the world, especially in the real estate world. I think a lot of us learn from it. And you know, every project I work on now, I'm super mindful of the risks associated yeah, to them. Yeah, yeah. But also, because I knew what it was like to live frugally. For a long period of time, I was able to make that transition and it didn't have a negative impact on my life. I still was doing everything I needed to do and love to do. And
2: um, because because you're out looking for education and education's out there if you want it. Now, we didn't want to go broke in 2007, but we did. And we could sit there and mope about it or we could learn and become wiser. So wisdom comes from experience and age. My dad knew it was coming. He got himself prepared. I didn't. I lost everything because I wasn't wise. Now we have this wisdom. I want to get back to the school thing, though. You went to the school to get skills. You didn't even need the degree. You wanted more information, more information. So, again, if you're listening right now, we'll go back to the list. Eyes wide open, asking for help, uh, taking a chance, doing really well. I guess a thirst for learning. And um, we, we need to get back to that artwork because that artwork is still burning behind you. But before we do, you talked about land development and entitlement, and you used a bunch of initials that nobody knows. What's the, Land development, I think, is the point where you're finding parcels. You talked about uh, due diligence and transactions. You're buying up little pieces of land to put them together into a big piece of land and you need your people skills because you're dealing with the government and zoning and you need your people skills because you're dealing with people that may not want to sell their property. What is, what is land development and what is the difference between land development and building development and where are your people skills coming into play there?
0: So the what I've learned about the development world is... It doesn't, it's not one person making this happen. I mean, it is a massive team of people. And, and a, a, I would say half the people that you need to do things for you to make your project work don't have to, because they, they're you're right. They work for the government. They work for these small municipalities. A lot of them are underpaid for what they do. And they've got every developer on the planet knocking at their door, sending them emails, calling them to agnosium. So what I've learned is treat everyone equally, right? Like you need them on your team. Be kind, be understanding, be patient, help where you can. Um, I think what, what I've learned, especially with working with the cities is do most of their job for them, set it up to where all they have to do is say yes or no, create good, concise, clear, easy to understand packages you know, of your plans, everything. Checklists are awesome. Short and easy emails are awesome. No one wants a, it, it. I had my one boss said, you know, hey, Athena, if it's more than a page, don't show it to me. And there's a lot to be said for that. You know, keep your emails short. Like, don't be too wordy. Don't try to be the smartest person in the room. Just, Just try to get the job done and get to know people on a more
2: personal level. Well, so this, it seems like the culmination of everything. You've got your, your mentor that you had in your art class that was kind and treated people as equal. You, you realize you like that. You bring that to your work environment. And you're in a work environment where you're dealing with people. There's two sides to real estate. There's the analysts that are figuring out exactly what you can spend and how much you can spend per key to remodel and what you can do to your rates and which corner is the right corner. And we need those people And then there's the, the side that Athena's on where she has to go execute on whatever that plan is. She has to get the government agent to change the rules about what you can build. Um, she has to get people to sell their property that they maybe don't want to sell or sell at the right price. So you say you bring your, your, your lifelong people skills in there. You're caught. You're working hard. You're kind. Um, you've got your communication skills. So, you've got written communication, the packet you're sending. You've got your phone communication. You've got your in person communication. These are the skills you're going to need to develop if you want to one day be an acquisitions agent or a director of development. If you want to learn more about these roles, I always suggest people just go read job descriptions. But this is coming from many years of work, and basically, you're easy to deal with. And that's a big part of it. You make their life easy. Little risk for them. Um, you're easy to say yes to.
0: Yeah. And and I actually had consultants in the past that would call me because I was a director of development working right under the VP of development for master plan community development. And they said, you know, we don't want to call your boss because he always blows a gasket over everything. Do you think we can handle this under the radar? And I say, let's handle it under the radar. We deal with it without anybody's brains exploding and i'd come back and you know and say hey boss person you know we had this problem this is how we resolved it just letting you know it didn't impact the schedule it didn't impact the budget those are the two things your bosses always want to hear and uh, try to try to figure things out and be resourceful and honestly like blowing fuses never helps any situation ever
2: resourceful Trying to keep calm.
0: yeah resourceful creative right there's a creative how well, are we going to fix this?
2: Let, let's get into <laughs> the creative. So then, so so you're putting together the land deals. And sometimes the difference between land development and building development is the design part because you're not designing. I mean, maybe you're laying out the, the properties, how it's going to look and how many houses and how many parks and all that. But now you move into um, the design and development of buildings, primarily apartments and hotels. Uh, but I believe... Your new your new role, uh, director of development for Mirage Investment Group, you're taking existing buildings and re- rehabbing them into awesome buildings, or you're taking dirt and building something from the ground up. Typically, a really cool apartment complex or a hotel, right? That's right. And so now you're getting to use your design, but you're not painting paintings. Your painting rooms, and I've seen some of them actually. I saw a slide deck of one of your buildings with the tin copper roof and the speakeasy and all the different stuff that you've put in there that I could not do because I'm not artistic. So coming full circle, you bring art and what is a director of development and why is it the perfect job for someone that has the people skills and the work ethic and the drive and keeps their eyes open and asks for help, but's also artistic. The way
0: I look at development is I look at it in layers. And when you do a painting, you, you think of things in layers. Um, so you've got, you know, your planning uh, phase where you're looking at everything on paper, right? And you're looking at checklists of items that the city and the county and the state are going to require to allow you to build the most efficient design that you can come up with your, with your architects and civil engineers. So that's the first layer.
2: The whole and project I, is a work of art then.
0: That's right. That's and it point. really is because when you're doing the horizontal improvements, you've got to look at how everything connects and and everything impacts each other. And on in the development world, when you're doing really big master plan projects, everything is like an is a cumulative kind of impacts to each other. And um, down to, you know, how many cars are passing through that stop sign that's going to warrant a traffic signal, you know, everything. There's so much So you've got all your horizontal improvements under the ground for your drainage to make sure your water that drains from someone watering their front lawn, you know, it has somewhere to go. It's not going to impact the ocean not going to impact some certain sensitive wildlife. And then you've got which
2: you picked up an expertise in along the way. So you might be more useful at that phase than a lot of other people.
0: Yeah. So you're looking at those layers. And then once you get all of your your zoning and your site plan approvals and everything that you need to where you have a permit to go grade the site, then you're looking at those other layers with who's going to actually do the work, right? Who's going to move the dirt? Where is the dirt going to go? What's the timing like on that? How are you going to order all of the the materials that you need in time? That you know, so you can go vertical with your construction.
2: So now you're big, drawing on your relationship skills. Yeah. So you've got you've got the the artistic, the ability to see the big picture with the layers. You've got the drive for challenge, and then you've got the back to these people skills that you need to have for this type of job because you're dealing with. Your relationships and the people that are doing the zoning, and you're listening to them, not telling them, you're making their life easier, not harder. You're dealing with the relationships from the people that are going to do the construction. You're dealing with the relationships with the people that you're getting the supplies from. And then what I was thinking of was the end was the art, the end of which finish and which color and what texture. But the whole thing in your mind is a work of art. The
0: whole thing is, and I have to say, There's never been a better feeling than working on a project for multiple years, because in this line of work, you're dedicated for years. It's not, you know, it's not something that comes quickly and it takes a lot of time and you get twitches in your left eye from stress at, from time to time. (laughs) But when you go out and you actually say, wow, I took part of this, like that's, that's a really good feeling. Um, And, you know, on some of the projects where you've actually really improved, a place for the community. you see people walking on trails, enjoying some of the retail component in one of your projects, or maybe going to the Speakeasy and having a super fancy uh, old-fashioned cocktail. I mean, it's you take part of that. Um, and that's that is definitely a good feeling.
2: There, and there is something to that. So many jobs don't have an end to them. There's no product that you can look at or finish line, but this one has an end to it. So I'm going to ask you one last thing, and then I'll let you go. Why so, so you do all this stuff, and you know, and you and I, the slide decks, if you see the slide deck, you know people write papers in college and then they come out and they do projects at work. I mean, these are hundreds of slides with fully designed mock ups that look like you're in the room. I mean, it's just amazing to see the stuff that you're doing, and you have these children, and your children are young, and you you were teaching them them yourself during COVID. So how are you able, I got two questions. How are you able to do all that? Be a great wife. We all hear about what a great wife you are. A great mother. We all hear about that. A great business person. How are you able to do that? And why do you do that? Why is it important for you to keep working and being a mom? And that's a loaded question because I have an opinion on that.
0: Right. Well, you know, the, the, it's the balance again. I like, I like what I do. I really love development. I like showing the kids what mommy's doing and what daddy's doing. And it's, it's fun to take them to the job sites. It's fun to show them the plans and say, what do you think of that color? You know, and they weigh in on it. They're, they're part of it. Um, and you know, through people say, how did you, how do you spend so much time running? And can I just tell you I had about almost a 1000 miles in in 2022 and I would say 700 of those miles I had a jogging stroller.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: you, you, you know you, you double dip, that's how you do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, actually there's um there is a Native American woman named Sacagawea and she helped um Lewis and Clark you know explore uh when they during the westward expansion and she brought her kids with her on her back and there's a sculpture of her at the JW Marriott in Scottsdale, Arizona. And I look at that sculpture and I say, I want to be like her. I want to do it all. I want to be a good mom. I want to, I want to explore with them. I want to grow as an individual. Still. I want to be a good wife. It's, it's, they're all the things that I want to do. Um, I think one thing before we, we leave the podcast to say is, you know, when you get when you get to a place where you don't look at things as being work, um, you you reframe your mind. Like cooking dinner shouldn't be like a hard thing because it's 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 part of life like you need to eat. When you look at your job as as your place in this in this community, this this global community, that this is what I did while I spent my time here on this planet. And hopefully I made someone else's life a little bit better along the way. It doesn't really feel like work. It feels like getting up in the morning or taking a shower. It's like what you do. um, Reframing it is big and it's very powerful.
2: So your your work is not work. It's an outlet for you. It's a way to um, improve yourself. It's a way to feed your curiosity. It's an example to set for your kids. And it's important to you. So you mix it into the other things that's important to you. And you said you're good at time management. I mean... You're you're powerful enough to say no to certain things and yes to certain things. You're wise enough to choose which areas you want to focus your time. There's times when you said, hey, I'm not going to hang out with friends. I'm going to hang out with my family and do my job. And there's times where you say, I'm not going to do my job. I'm going to hang out with my friends and my family. But you're making these choices because you know yourself. And and I, my opinion is that it's very tough to not work if you're a high um, high achieving person it's very hard to retire for whatever the reason is. If you um, have children and you're taking care of them, I think it's very hard to not have the constant growth that you have from the other focus work. You know, I see people that retire. It's very hard to stop working when you've been achieving. And I think you kind of know yourself, right? You know yourself, you know your priorities. You've, you've done it. You kept your eyes open. You asked for help. Um, You take challenges, you're resourceful, and you do well, and you just added another challenge in there, being a working mom. Why not do well at that too? And you feel it's important to who you are to do both.
0: And my greatest plan now is to go back to school. Oh, no. And get a degree in nutrition.
2: (laughs) Oh, really?
0: Something Uh, totally different.
2: (laughs) and, And are you planning a career change or just to add to your life? Just to add to my life. Because you don't have enough. And we didn't even get into the marathoning. I think you just, <laughs> did you just win or something happened where you placed like placed second or third, third and a, out of everyone third. and number one out of feet, <laughs> out of women? Yeah. Amazing. While crushing it in real estate, while crushing it as a mom, while being a spouse that everybody hears about all the time. Well, Athena, I really Thank appreciate you. you taking time to share with everyone the path and the different Uh, careers in real estate. Thank you for coming on the Edge of Excellence.
1: Thanks for having me, Matt. It was so good to talk to you. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, wwwone slash podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com slash podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.